I received an email about a couple weeks ago from a young couple who had been married for just a couple years. They're in their 20s, and her health was an absolute wreck. And it just happened within the last year or so. She was on over 10 different medications, 10 different supplements, just trying to survive, trying to figure something out to help her feel better, to help her be able to keep food down. And despite not being able to keep any food down in her system, she was gaining weight like crazy, probably 100 pounds in a year, going from someone who was more like my body type to overweight, obese, sick, unhealthy, and nobody could figure out why. That's when I came into place. I read her labs, and as I was reading her labs, going over them with her, as her husband was sitting there next to her, he looked at me and said, okay, if you can figure all that out for her, what can you do for me? So then we ended up pulling his medical records, and since then we've pulled not only his medical records, but her parents, both her mom and her dad, pulled both of them, and it's just been a cascade of events, and here's why. The email said, Dr. Kylie, thank you so much for helping us out and my family out. It's amazing at the difference our relationship is between my husband and I when we both feel good. And that's why I brought our guest on today, And one of the reasons why my husband and I focus on our health as well, because when you're healthy, when you feel good, you treat others better, especially the ones who live in the same house as you do. So let's join Molly today as she teaches us a few tips and tricks we can learn to improve our relationships, no matter what relationship it is. And just remember, when you feel good, you treat others better too. We're here with Molly Eliasoff, and she is a relationship expert. And the reason why I want to have Molly on with us today is because, one, we could all use help with our relationships, no matter what relationship it is. Our friends, our coworkers, our spouses, our kids, um, our relationship with ourself, I think is another key one. But really, when it comes to relationships and health, so often women and moms specifically, they go to the, the doctor's. And they get told that their labs are normal, and yet they feel like crap. Their hair's falling out. They can't lose weight. They tried every diet under the sun. They're trying to get pregnant, um, whatever the case may be. They always just keep getting told that their labs are normal. They have no idea why they feel the way they feel. So eventually they start saying, well, then what's wrong with me? Why is my body betraying me? And it can happen, and I've been told by many individuals that the relationship between their spouse is out of strain because here the moms are. They're so tired by the end of the day, they're unable to cook dinner. So they would rather go get takeout, which puts a financial strain on the relationship. And the husband doesn't get it. When the doctors keep keep getting told that their labs are normal, they should be fine. They should be able to be like Sue down the street and rock the house, keep the house clean, rock the kids. And it's just not reality. Yeah. So Molly, first off, tell us how you got into this field. Because it's always an interesting way, story on how people become relationship experts. Sure. So I'm a trained therapist and I started my career working with children. I was really passionate about play and letting kids just like thrive and be their best selves. And I noticed a lot that when I was working with children, in order for kids to really excel in change and in growth, it required the parents, right? A hundred percent. Because I'm only with them, what, 45 minutes once a week. 
And it was really essential that parents feel super confident in their ability to show up for their child in the way that their child needs right now. So as I was doing that work, I realized it wasn't just helping each individual parent if there were two in the household, it was helping them work together. Whether they were still together or not, they had to communicate effectively for the kid to be able to grow and evolve. So I got really passionate about learning not just about a family dynamic, but the dyad of partners. Yeah, that's so crucial. I know not only my family, but like my my siblings and their kids. Um, right now, my brother's going through a really ugly, nasty divorce. They have a two-year-old, yeah, a two-year-old and a six-month-old. And just watching the effect it has on the two-year-old is quite profound. But also my husband experienced a relationship between his parents all throughout childhood and growing up that was very strained. And it even continues with him on to this day. But so that's pretty cool that you started off with kids. So since you started off with kids, I have a three-year-old. Um, give me uh-huh. like your top tip on how to communicate with a toddler who now says, well, I'm not going to play with you, mom, or I'm not going to give you any Christmas presents, mom. Yep. This is a great question. So (laughs) my number one tip would be like, understand that everything that's happening in the dynamic with your three-year-old is play. Nothing is what it is, right? When we're adults, we have more ability to craft what we're saying and the intention and the meaning behind it. But when they're three, they're trying to express themselves, but they're kind of spewing out words in the way that like makes sense in their brain, but doesn't quite make sense for any grown adult's brain, right? Yeah. So trying to remember that it's it's all kind of a game in a positive way that when they're trying to say, I'm not getting something for you, it could be that they're saying, I'm mad at you, but it could be saying like, let's play a little game of tug of war right now. And I think if parents can be really just forgiving of themselves and just kind of understand that they can just kind of have joy with it, it can feel a lot less daunting when they get the constant frequent no from their adamant toddler. You know? Yeah, I know the other day he sat down on the computer and he's like, mom, I'm just typing out an email. Like, how do you even know what an email is? But he's <laughs> just repeating what he hears mom and dad say. So That's when right. we're like, we're like, Easton, you need to clean your room or you're not going to get a present. Now he says, hey, mom, if you're not going to do what I want you to do, then you're not going to get a present either. And I think... <laughs> So we've had to watch what we say to him. That's so amazing because he's obviously so bright. You know, he's like really a sponge and he's soaking it all in and he wants to kind of have that interaction with you, which is so great. Yeah, he's literally three and a half and he looks like he's probably six and he talks like he's six. Everybody thinks he's way older than he is. Like, dude, you are too smart for your own good. (laughs) Okay, so there's the kids, the mindset with the kids. Now, when it comes to relationships as a spouse, Mm -hmm. where should we begin bettering that? Love. Okay. So I would have everyone start by doing their own inventory. So I I go back to this example and I sometimes feel like I'm the only person who did this, but I really, I know I can't be alone in this. As soon as we got quarantined, like the first thing or what, not the first thing, one of the early things, let me say it that way, that I did was I raided my whole house. I wanted to know how much I had of everything in case the grocery store ran out of everything, right? When like toilet paper wasn't available, I wanted to know how many rolls I had so I could play like very Uh decisively, right? And so to me, that's the type of inventory. We want to know what we have so we know what we need, right? And I think it's the same thing in our relationships. We really want to know what we have, what we like about our relationship, what we feel is not going well, what we need more of you know, to get a really good sense of what our inventory is so that we can get really descriptive about what it is that we hope for and that we want for our partner. I love that. And always, people always say, if you want change to happen, change 
the person that you see in the mirror. Yeah. So it's right. off by taking your own self inventory. A hundred percent. Well, we have to grow, you know, and it can be a self inventory and then you can expand it to an inventory of your relationship. Right. So I have this expression that I call the self date. I think it's really important before we do anything in our relationship to have a date with ourselves. And that could be real nice and fancy with a bubble bath if we have that luxury. But I know that you know as a stay-at-home mom, you know, with all these kids running around, that might not happen so easily. No, you right? you watch the HGTV, you know, when they're building these immaculate houses or building someone's dream house, they always have yep. this ginormous tub. And you're like, yep. who actually has time to spend in that ginormous tub <laughs> with the candles? And that's not me. A hundred percent. So your self-date might look really different. And really all I'm talking about is a five to 10 minute window where you're kind of able to think into your thoughts. So that could be while the kids are watching TV or engrossed in school, or it could be when you're up before everyone else, you have to find your little minute, but it's a chance for you to just stop and reflect on what is happening in my relationship currently, where am I happy and where am I feeling really unfulfilled? And the next piece of this I love, which so I'll jump ahead a little bit because I know we're going to get there, but I really think it's important to then think about what is your fantasy, right? So it's really essential to think about what do I want my relationship to feel like? Not just what's going wrong, but what do I want it to grow into? Because then it's a lot easier to work backwards on your self-date when thinking, well, what would we need to do to get there in our fantasy? What would we need to start doing? Is it more quality time? Is it less quality time? Like, what is that really going to look like, right? And then from there, it becomes a, a game of like the communication techniques that will move you closer to one another. I, I love that. Starting, I'm thinking about your fantasy. And when I first hired a mentor, um, one of the very first things that he did with us was with my husband and I, was we had to create our dream day. Now, back two years ago was when we did this. My dream day was completely different than what it would be now. But my problem was, was I was I was only seeing with tunnel vision. I was only seeing a brick and mortar practice. I was only seeing how I could have my kids at daycare for four days a week. I was only seeing what I had in the moment. Mm. Where now I'm like, screw a brick and, brick and mortar practice. I can help so many people when I'm online and hey, I can work from home and my baby girl's upstairs. So if she wakes up, I can go right up and get her. Like, but it was something that he had to introduce to me all of these new possibilities. So when we're really creating our fantasy, think big. You can't think big enough, really. Because what I've learned from all of my own mindset coaching is that we are we only see our little bubble. Once we get outside of our little bubble, now the impos- now the possibilities are endless. Yeah. So when you're, I love how you're saying, "What is your fantasy?" Really, really, really think about what that fantasy is, and don't be afraid to blow it out of clear, huge proportion. Because until yeah. you start realizing or dreaming what it could be like, it's still going to stay where it is. Because like you said, what it could be like, then work backwards to create it. Yep. And I, I love my spin on that has always been your perfect Saturday 10 years from now. So you have to think about my my kids 10 years older, you know, what would the house feel like? Would we be in the house? I mean, if we could be anywhere in the world, where would we be? Would I be sitting next to my partner? Would we would we rock climbing together? Would we be in separate rooms doing our own 
like hobby and fantasy activity, what does that really look like? Because the closer and clearer you can get on that, the easier it becomes to move closer to one another, doing those things in the here and now in small, small ways. Right. Keep your eye on the prize together. A hundred percent. And and if you're able to really sync up in that dialogue, I mean, I don't know if you ever watched the episode of The Office where Pam and Jim really talk about their fantasy house. And Jim is talking all about, you know, kayaking and being somewhere like kind of more rural. And Pam's fantasy is, you know, being in New York. And the two of them are having opposite ideas of what ideal would look like. So if you can do this exercise as a self-date first, it gives you so much clarity. And then if you can join, like have your partner join you and do it together, it becomes even more interesting because then you get to really see, okay, like where are we on different pages and how do we sync up more? And then how do we, like you said, move through it together? Right. And and my version of my perfect day and my husband's version of his perfect day were not anywhere close. So then, yep. we, you know, we send the email off to our mentor. He reads them both. He sits, shoots us back an email and says, oh, you guys might want to talk about this because <laughs> you're on two different totem poles on the spectrum. But we did. Totally. And so now we know what the end goal is in sight. And it's constantly revolving. I got our, our dream day now is not our same as it was a month ago. So it's just going to be constantly result, revolving. Same thing with our relationships and our self-inventory. So cool. Yeah. What's step number two? Okay, so step two, step one, we've dived deeply into self-date. You're getting clear on your needs. You got clear into the fantasy. Now step two is really bringing it together with your partner. So figuring out how to communicate really effectively about it. So you want to figure out how do you kindly and softly and collaboratively really talk with your partner about what this ideal relationship looks like. Now, to bring us way back to the example that you gave in like earlier, right? Where there's this huge disconnect where the wife might be, have like received some labs that are like unclear. They say everything's positive, but her health is feeling like it's really deteriorating. And literally she physically can see it's deteriorating. And her husband's just so confused about this paradox of like, you know, what the doctor says and how his wife's feeling. If we go back to that example, it might be really hard to dive into the fantasy, right? And so it might be a lot easier to think about the problems. Hopefully you can let yourself go there and really let yourself tease out what you want it to look like and not just think about the negative. But now once we get to step two, communicating about it might be a lot harder in a house like that than in a house where the relationship's kind of already on the same page and they don't have that hump to move through together. So a really important thing to remember with effective communication is we want to make sure we're working as a team. And this can be really hard when we have opposing views, but it's really essential to try and find like groundedness in ourselves, not even calmness, just like groundedness and really hold on to the intention that the goal is to move through this life together, not just this discussion, but this life together. So being able to sync up for all important communication, even when we disagree, is going to be super, super essential. I'm taking so many notes. So good. <laughs> good. <laughs> so step number two, bring it together. Collaborate and talk about your ideal days together. And then mesh and work as a team. Our goal is to go through this life together. I love that. There's no really end date. You know, it's the entire life endure to the end. And I think... All right. So step number one, um, self-date, self-inventory. And then once you do the self-inventory, create your your ideal fantasy day relationship. 
um, come bring it together with your spouse, which means your spouse or your partner has to do this as well. You can't just do it by yourself. You got to have them do it too. Then step number three. Yep. And so when we're at step number three, it's about nurturing that dynamic with the two of you. So nurture is the word I would have you come back to because you might have a partner who's not willing to do this with you, right? You might have a partner who's like, whatever. So you saw this woman talk and you got really into it, but I'm not into it, right? Or I don't even want to watch the video and they're unwilling altogether. It happens all of the time. You can do step one by yourself and even step two, not by yourself, but include them in just sharing your portion, right? The ideal, like you said, for both of you guys to kind of like get into this is something that's like fun and something that allows you to like plan and think about the future, which is all good stuff. Step number three is all about the nurture. So in the conversation, there's going to be bumps. So whether that bump is that your partner is not willing to do this at all, or the bump is that you have opposing views, or the bump is like you just agree to disagree, it's going to take a lot of effort and energy to kind of nurture that relationship. And one of the things that I like to talk about with nurture is the idea of honey, right? So we talk about like that expression that like just grows me out that we get more flies with honey than we do vinegar, but it's so true, right? And it can be really hard in these difficult dialogues to figure out how to tap into the honey in our communication, how to tap into the honey in our day-to-day, not even just in this dialogue. So how do we express admiration for our partner? How do we express the importance that they hold, the appreciation we have, the love that we have for this person, right? Because that's what holds the team together. It's what I call the glue, right? It's not just these one-off things, these one-off moments that we're trying to resolve, but how are we nurturing this bond on an ongoing basis so we can be in this life as a team, but not just a team that does things logistically together, but a team that really has love, respect, and collaboration at all times together. Nice. Love it, love it, love it. So many good golden nuggets here, guys. I hope you guys were writing down notes as much as I was. Molly, where can we learn more? For sure. So I always invite people to come find me on Instagram. I really like to actually connect with you directly. You can also find me on Facebook because I'm there too because I know we're Facebook live right now at my name. So M-O-L-L-I-E-E-L-I-A-S like Sam, O-F like Frank. I'm sure you can kind of see it or we'll drop it in some kind of show notes or notes. But I would love to just hear from you. Whatever your takeaway was, whatever question is, I love getting messages from, from anyone who's listening. So I know how to help more. Super cool. Tell us, give us an example of what you've seen, what you've been able to help somebody walk through point A to point X, I call it, because it's not point B. It's because point B is something that you know you want, where point X is, I didn't even know this was possible. And look at where we are. Um, Give us a, a story or two. Sure. So, I mean, I've worked with lots of couples, um, especially that are hoping for their second or third baby, right? They're, they're really going back and forth about that topic. You know, one partner is like all in, the other is skeptical, nervous. Usually the mom is all in. Usually the dad's hesitant because it's like more money, more (laughs) stress, more. Yep. 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 I got two kids, the same discussion with the third. A hundred percent. And and for a relationship that's feeling tense, that can feel like it could push you over the edge, right? So not only are the logistics a piece of that dialogue, right? The mom might be thinking about their biological clock, but there's like logistics we got to talk about here, right? And finances for the father, right? But there's also the component of really thinking about like, we aren't getting along really well. It feels super chaotic in the house of two already. If we bring in another one right now, I don't know if our marriage can last. 
And I don't know if we're going to be great parents. Like we're, we're already struggling. So that it has been a huge conversation that I've seen over and over again. So I've taken couples like that who are like pretty definitively on opposite pages and it's causing more tension that they're not able to move forward with this. Go from that place of like really it's, 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 it's icy, you know, to back in love and pregnant. So, I mean, that's, that's my A to X, which has been really, it's a beautiful thing that I get to do. I'm very, very lucky to, to be honored enough to witness that kind of transformation for not just someone's moment in their marriage, but their life, right. That's, that's in their being and their household and forever in their journey together. So yeah, I'm very lucky for that. Yeah. Speaking of kids, let's go into infertility. Because yes. infertility can absolutely destroy relationships. Yep. Um, I have had many, I work a lot with infertility. The way I approach it is very, very different than a fertility clinic per se. Mm-hmm. So I'm all about finding the why. You get diagnosed with PCOS, why? What's causing it? How do we fix it? How do we balance those mm-hmm. hormones? Mm-hmm. You get told that you have poor egg quality, why? Let's fix it. And so you can have that healthy baby without experiencing tremendous IVF one not only cost financially, but all that burden on your body. Yep. And I've been told by many wanting to be mothers, whether they have two kids and they're struggling to get their third, or they're just struggling to get the mom, become the mom to begin with. And it can be bring a lot of strain on a relationship, especially when the doctor looks at her and says, Oh, well, it's because you can't, you need to lose weight. Where a lot of times the blame is always on one person, more often the woman than the man. But when it comes to people struggling with infertility and those and those couples that are struggling with that and with that problem, what would your advice be to them as far as how do you maneuver your relationship during that time period? Yeah, listen, any any major life strain is going to put a strain on your marriage and your relationship. So life strain can be, you know, environmental, like, you know, the, the house that you had is starting to collapse or there was an earthquake, or it can be, you know, something like trying to get pregnant. It can be any major life transformation moving from city to city because of someone's job. It's going to put losing a job. Yeah. Or losing a job or having a miscarriage, right? There's so many strains that really are going to impact us emotionally, which is automatically going to make an impact on the marriage like a hundred percent all the time. And so I think step one is really just like reminding yourself of that, like almost as a way to be kind to yourself, that this is real, that life strain is really difficult and it's going to impact the dynamic between the two of you as much as you may not want it to, it's going to be harder. Now that doesn't mean it's going to be impossible or break things, but it's just something that you're going to have to really navigate as a team. And what I'd suggest to just like flip it on its head for one moment, because, you know, when people are going through infertility issues, it's almost like constant negative, you know, feedback from the doctors around them and, you know, trying and the needle, it it can be so much work to remind yourself that this is a possible chance for the two of you as a relationship and a couple to be stronger than ever to figure out how to get through this like very difficult milestone as a unit is going to be in some ways a great test for the two of you to like strengthen all of your skills so that when you become a parent or a parent again, you are so much more synced up and acting as like such a united front. It's going to make the next parts of your journey easier. But 
it's totally real that it's hard right now. And trying to be kind with yourself on that is just such a big piece of the puzzle. Right. And I don't want to say like make the trial a blessing because, you know, that's cliche and it's so hard to do while you're in the trial. Um, but But you said it right whatever trial it is, infertility, financial, moving, um, whatever that trial is, if you can unite together as one rather than become divided, you'll be able to conquer so much more in the future because of that solid foundation that you built during that trial time. When when yeah. it comes to helping, it's one way to talk about it. What would be the steps that they should take to make that unity more one? I love that. That's a great question. So I think number one is figuring out how kindness to yourself and to both of you as a couple can be present in the home, right? So does that mean having an expression somewhere that you put on the wall and that you say to one another, just be kind, be kind to ourselves, just this reminder that like, we're going through something hard right now. It's going to get easier. Whatever that is, I think capturing that and then just putting it everywhere so that when your brain has difficulty accessing it and reaching it, you can grab it and retrieve it really simply. That's step number one. Step number two, I would really recommend figuring out how you can carve out time to intentionally talk about this topic and not intentionally talk about this topic, right? I think that this either can start to consume the relationship or do the reverse, where there's so much avoidance of the topic because it's stressful enough that there's a lack of syncing up. So really agreeing to having a dialogue about this and then having space to not think about this and talk about this is really important. Step number three, I'd recommend like really thinking about intentionally, like what, what's your intention behind this journey? Because you're not doing something hard just to do something hard, right? You're doing something hard to try and have what you want out of life. So how do you hold on to that? And then step number four, and we can go into so much more. This is just kind of the the beginner steps is to remember that there's help out there. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to navigate this all by yourself. That's why people like me exist. And there are so many other resources, whether it's blogs or podcasts, whatever you need, you don't need to be alone. I have so many notes. I've got front and back pages and super good. Okay, so I just want to rehash that out. The first place is to be kind to yourself. And especially when it comes to infertility, I know like when I'm trying to get pregnant, it is in the back of your mind 24-7 whether you're on day five of your cycle or if you're on day 17, like it's always going to be there until you know with that test, whether it's there or not. So it's always there. So be kind to yourself, be kind to each other. And I love this one too. carve out time to intentionally talk about it and to intentionally not talk about it. It can be, it can be consuming. Yeah. And I, and, and to pause you for a second, I think one of the things that I see with a couple like this often is that sometimes both people are on different pages about when to talk about it and when to not, right? So sometimes, you know, maybe the wife's thinking about her cycle and she's like, okay, well, we need to, we need to have intimacy. We need to carve this in. We haven't talked about that in a while. You're about to go on a work trip. We need to like, we need to structure this, right? Super important. And the husband just wants nothing to do with the topic. Like, okay, now there's stress on our intimacy life. Like, I don't want to think about this right now. I'm trying to prep for this work trip. Right. And that disconnect can most make both people feel really like isolated and alone. So to really decide together, hey, we're gonna like almost schedule this topic and then schedule fun and not this topic can be so relieving and alleviating for the navigating of the whole discussion. In regards to infertility specifically, it uh, it almost becomes like a chore. 
like oh, something yeah. that you have to do. And and men hate that. Yep. So well, one of my suggestions so do, well, is... So do women. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I just know. My husband's like, it's, it's not it's not a, a scheduled thing. Like this is, we're going to, you know, just do it. One of, the, one of the best advices I ever heard was stop having sex and actually make love. So there's a flip to it. From a chore to, hey, let's bond and get closer. Then number three, you had intention behind this journey. So what what is your intention of going through this and how can you become stronger together? And then number four, remember there's help. Like Molly, like myself, who does the physical health healing perspective. And for sure, check out Molly on Instagram where she's probably more active than on here on Facebook. But Molly Eliasoff, I will put it in the comments below. Also put it in the notes so that you can find those ways to better a relationship, no matter what relationship it is and what time of life you're in. Um, The more we can better our relationships, the more we can enjoy life. If we're having hard relationships, it's really hard to enjoy life. Molly, thank you so much for joining us today. If you have one last little tidbit of advice, what would it be? 100%. So I love what you just said. It really made me think about this phrase that I say over and over again. I really believe that we can have it all. And I know that that can sound really grandiose, but I really believe that we can have it all. And when I mean that, I mean feeling fulfillment in our everyday each day. And a lot of that can be a choice when we're going through something hard like infertility, but also it can be just diving into the appreciation of what we do have in front of us, like the richness of our relationship. So I hope that everyone can dive in just an inch more into the richness of the relationship so you can feel even more fulfilled in this lifetime. Yeah. I know when I feed positivity into our relationship with my husband, it compounds. And it turns his day into a better day when I feed him first, you know, hey, honey, thanks for whatever. Or I love you because whatever. I'm just feeding the positivity when when it's so, so easy to feed the negativity. Um, just as, as an example here to close, I coach a lot of volleyball. I used to coach a lot of volleyball. And then I went to med school and we don't have time for anything. Um, when I'm coaching and as a player, it's really, really, really easy to identify the negative first. Well, it has to get fixed first. Whereas it's really difficult and you have to actually make it, uh, you have to make an effort to find the positive moment. So instead of just being critical to your players as a team, that's feeding them with positivity because that's what stays in their mind. Whatever you tell them is going to stay in their mind. So for example, if you tell them, hey, don't miss your serve, they're going to go back to the line and they're going to be worrying about missing their serve, which means they're going to miss their serve. If you say, hey, serve zone one, they're going to be worrying about serving zone one and they'll make their serve. Um, same thing as with our relationships. Hey, honey, thanks for making dinner. Now, they're, they're, now they're someone, they know somebody's grateful for them rather than saying, hey, why don't you clean up afterwards? Right? Yep. And I, and I love this because, and I'm, I'm a dancer, so I totally relate, right? I just took ballet before this and she, my teacher talks all about how we grow rather than what we're doing wrong, which shrinks us, right? And mm-hmm. so the growing allows us to expand into who we want to be. So when you were talking, I was thinking about our, our almost like our relationship soup. How are we nurturing it? What ingredients are we putting in it? How are we warming it? You know, how are we nurturing it? And if we fill it with more positivity, then it's going to be more delicious. You know, those are our choices. Yeah. Is your soup from Campbell's chicken noodle soup or is it homemade chicken noodle soup with all the good stuff in it? (laughs) Love that. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Molly. Thank you. 
Hey everyone, Dr. Kylie here. I'm with one of my favorite patients. Um, her name's Brandy. She lives in my paradise, but of course I don't live there, only she does. And she's 31, just like me. We've been going over her health, working with her for probably about 10 months now. And I just want her to share a little bit of her story. So Brandy, thanks for joining us. And if you could, Tell us what was the problem you were having before we worked together. Um, so it'd probably be easier to say what problems I wasn't having. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was dealing with a lot of chronic pain and fatigue, and I had some um, unexplained health problems, and my airway was creating scar tissue and it was idiopathic so there was no cause so they couldn't treat what was causing it and I had had three surgeries in about a year's time and all along over figuring out what was wrong with my breathing over the past probably five years just like things like pain and fatigue and brain fog just kept getting worse and worse and then I started having breathing problems about a year before we figured out what was going on and every time all those symptoms flared up of the pain and the fatigue and lots of other things it just kept getting worse as the breathing got worse and anyways things just flare up and get worse and then I feel okay for a minute and I think oh good I'm doing great because I'm working out and eating healthy but then I burn out a few months later and it's just been the pattern for several years. So walk us through what it was like, because I know you've done the Western medicine route, you've done herbal routes. Walk us through what your experience was a few years ago with trying to get these things solved. So for, for a few years, I just got told like, so I have hypothyroidism. I got diagnosed with that when I was 19 years old. And so anytime I was tired, I just figured I needed my levels checked for my thyroid, especially after having babies. And, and after I would get my blood work done, they would just tell me, oh, everything's normal. You just must be a busy mom. You're just tired. I hear that a lot from young moms. And I just always knew there was something more to it, but we can't figure anything out. So I would think, okay, maybe I need to exercise. Maybe I need to change my diet and it'll fix the problem. And initially I would feel better because I would get like a new burst of energy, I think, from working out. But then I would just burn out a couple months later. And so we did that for several years. And then I actually lost a bunch of weight and was feeling pretty good because I cut out like lots of processed foods and had a pretty clean diet. And energy-wise, I was feeling good, but I couldn't breathe. And so we just thought I had asthma and then I started, the breathing was getting worse and worse to where I just couldn't even get up to do anything. And my diet suffered. And so I just thought, oh, it's because I'm eating crappy. And then we figured out the breathing problem. And when they told me that it was idiopathic and I may need surgery like every three months or every couple of years, I wasn't going to settle for that. So I met a friend, one of my friends does herbal supplements and um, I started working with some herbalists and spending a lot of money <laughs> on supplements and I would start to feel like oh this is helping a bit 
for a few weeks. And then I would have all these horrible symptoms and they would just tell me it's detoxing. And after I think about nine months of doing that, I just wasn't going to keep spending money to do that. So I stopped doing that. And then we spent probably a year of just trying to eat healthy again and exercising again. And I just got more and more discouraged because I just, all my symptoms were getting worse. And that's when I discovered you. (laughs) Now, when you say you spent a lot of money, how much was it? Not that much. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty um, I try to keep it around 150 a month, and I do a pretty dang good job about it. So you're probably about, I don't know, 1,200 up to this. Yep. How have they worked for you? Really good. <laughs> and so before I would take, when I was doing those herbs, I would take like a handful of pills four times a day. Four times a day? Yep. Holy smoke. And I would take handfuls handfuls like there were times when I take like 20 pills at a time I'm not willing to do that so (laughs) I wouldn't wouldn't require somebody else to do that (laughs) and and I will say like some of the herbs I use just for like treating acute symptoms like if you're getting a cold they would help pretty quick but as far as like long underlying health issues it didn't really do any good. <laughs> yeah. So you you also mentioned how your labs just like you kept getting told that your thyroid labs were normal, and it's just because you're a mom. Um, I know I pulled your labs based off of your labs. We were able to take those normal labs and convert them into your personalized treatment plan by figuring out what was the problem. Um, so that was one thing that was different, which is what I specialize in. And then the second thing is um, just the functional medicine approach. Yes, detox is important, but it's not the only problem. So walk us through a couple pieces of what you've experienced through treatment. Treatment with you? Yeah. Okay. I've taken maybe four things at a time, four different types of supplements over the past nine or 10 months now. Like that now. And usually it's like four pills or maybe six pills, maybe two times a day. <laughs> so that's been awesome. But I could, I could tell that they were like making a difference in my health immediately. Um, I think it was only like two or three months in when we started working on the gut health that I started feeling a huge difference in my energy levels And then we, um, I think four months in, like for the first time in years, I could walk around without wanting to cry because my feet hurt so bad. What about your hair? Oh, so my hair has fallen out like crazy for years. And about, I don't know, three or four months ago, was that that I told you? Uh, I noticed my hair has like, it's normal to shed a little bit, but gosh, I would lose like handfuls every time I showered and I could tell that my hair was thinning. And now I have so many baby hairs throughout my whole head. And the last yeah, time I went and got my hair done, my cousin's like, wow, oh my gosh, there's so much baby hairs all over your head. You're and it's not falling out. Time. 
Yep. With all these little hairs. I have all these little hairs now from postpartum stuff. Yep. I'm like, yeah, yes, I'm like, uh, so much. I have had like postpartum type hair loss for five years. <laughs> Not anymore. Yep. And it's still like that. Every time I shower, I go, oh my gosh, I lost hardly any hair. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> what about the last time you went to your um, throat doctor? What did he say? It looks normal. He said, well, I don't see any narrowing, so I guess just keep keep on keeping on. And if you ever have a problem, let me know. And so, before that, how many surgeries had you have had? I had three surgeries. And they were every what? Month, how many months? Um, so the first one, so I had one, and my airway was 95% closed when they went in for surgery. And then... About two months later, I could feel that it was closing again, and I was kind of in denial. So I would have needed surgery like then, but I put it off for a few months. So five months after the first one, and then it was about 10 months after that second one that I had the third surgery. And now no more surgeries. No more. And your doc said it looks clear. Yep. Just so you all know, I didn't do anything to treat that. We just got her to a healthy body. That's all. Okay, Brandy, last question. What would you tell somebody starting thinking about starting on this journey? Just start it right away. <laughs> Don't even think about it. Before you keep wasting more money. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so much better. This summer, I went on a vacation with my husband and we went camping. And before, when I would go do things, I would just need naps and I couldn't like hardly keep up. And I hiked all around and hiked up and around the mountain all over for a week straight. And I kept up just fine. That's so cool. What about now you've been able to get back to work? Yep, I've been working and I've been able to come home and still take care of my kids and cook dinner. I need to take some of my own medicine right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you brandy you're welcome <laughs> i want you to ask yourself what relationship is struggling right now is it between you and your partner is it between you and a child you and your mom you and a friend what relationship would you give anything to improve Identify which one you're going to improve on this week and then set a specific goal in mind to help someone, help that person each day for the next seven days. Help them, serve them, see how you can help their lives be better, and then discover what happens after that. <laughs>